Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach David Bartke here. Today is Sunday, July 22nd, 2018, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, your weekend dose of happy. And uh, we are in the middle of a wonderful summer, enjoying the weather, especially now that uh, the temperatures have cooled, although it got a little bit humid the last few days. But I am hopeful that the rains that are coming will wipe that out. We'll be right back to that nice, comfortable summer in the temperature range I like, which is like you know upper 60s, low 70s, and you know low low humidity and blue sky and all that kind of stuff. That's That, to me, is the best kind of summer. Yes, yes, yes. It's been very nice. Um you have a good week? It's been a good week. It's been an interesting week. Um, we have uh, changes coming up. We already started them to a certain extent because Wendy Dillard, who has been doing the afternoon podcast with me Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, has decided to cut back a little bit. And originally, we okay. talked about her cutting back to like three times a week. And then she said, no, I really want to cut back to two times a week. So she wanted to do Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I'd already talked to Cindy Chavez. Cindy had agreed to do Tuesday, but now she's agreed to do Wednesday. And so I put out some feelers to some people who were uh, our co-authors in the book that we recently put out. And I already have one, maybe two, to fill the Monday and Friday slots. So oh, it, good. It's, it's, it's really interesting because the last time I went through this, as you'll remember, David, last November, um, we had been our numbers had been growing. And I decided yeah. I wanted to go from once a week to many times a week, and uh, you, your schedule wasn't really uh, open to it, so that means I had to find some more co-hosts to do the weekly shows, yeah. and yeah. the weekday shows, rather. And so I reached out I reached out to about a half a dozen people who were life coaches, and within one day, within 24 hours, I had three people who contacted me, <laughs> Cindy, Wendy, and Tom. And right. every single one of them had told me, David, that, they had been thinking about doing a podcast themselves uh, and either didn't have the te- technology to do it or didn't have the knowledge how to, how to go about doing the technical stuff or whatever, or they just hadn't gotten around to it. In at least two of those cases, they had thought about it within the past 24 hours when I contacted them. Wow. Well, I contacted wow. um, these two people uh, today or yesterday, actually, and... One of them I spoke with today, and she told me that she'd been away at a weekend conference, and during that conference yesterday, she'd been thinking, you know, I really need to do a podcast, but I have no idea how to do it. And then I sent an email to her, right? And the second one tells me that all of a sudden she's getting all these requests to do podcasts. (laughs) So for those who wonder if the law of attraction really does operate in every aspect of of our lives, I think I can quite conclusively say, yes, it does. Yes. Because that's what our experience so, shows over and over and over again. And it's interesting because before you contacted me, I had tried um, a few on my own through this. I forget what it was, through some radio. And I stopped doing it because I thought, and when I stopped doing it, I thought, you know, it really would be good to be a co-host because it's a lot to do on your own it is oh it's really big to do it all by yourself because you're talking to a microphone people don't realize yeah like all right i'm part of that i'm part of the people yeah right (laughs) like you don't realize you don't realize filling an hour is is can be kind of difficult on your own i was like i was like yeah so um, i thought no what this feels too upstream so i stopped doing it and 
it wasn't that long then I heard from you and I thought, wow, well this this definitely sounds more <laughs> what in line with what I was wanting after experiencing trying to do it on my own. And you're right about doing one solo. I mean, there's a good reason why most podcasts, because most podcasts are one person, and most podcasts, you know, some of them, they can be like 10 minutes long, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just because right, right. it's so difficult to <laughs> fill all that time your, yourself. I mean, doing an hour, I've yeah, done a one-hour show, but a one-hour yeah. show, oh, geez. I mean, I, I've it's done a it. lot. I've done it with this topic. I've done it with other topics, and it is a lot. It's exhausting because, well, first of all, you can't stop talking because the moment you got you, you stop talking, it's dead air. <laughs> you, know, you really don't want exactly. dead air. That's, it kind of makes things a little bit boring to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Then at the time, uh, the person who was running this said, "Well, you can you can pre-record and then we can p pipe it in as if you're talking now." So I tried that, and I don't know that didn't feel very authentic to me like i did it a few times sure like so a half so like a half hour i would do pre-recorded about some you know law of attraction topic and then the other half hour i would do live and yeah, i mean i did it it was fine but it just didn't feel i just kind of felt like uh i don't know it just didn't feel that authentic so i just thought mm -hmm. no but yeah it's an, an hour is a long time <laughs> when you're talking by yourself to a microphone yes and, totally. and what yeah. I found is the most difficult part of doing that when you're doing it yourself is you get no input at all. See, at least when you and I are talking, <laughs> we get input from each other, right? We, we get feedback yeah. and we get uh, different perspectives and so forth. It makes it so much easier to do this, uh, this kind of conversation. But when you're doing it yourself, oh, you got nothing. You, you, you got your, your notes, you got a microphone, and that's it. <laughs> You've got no other input. I know. Like, and you and I can kind of joke around sometimes when you're by yourself. Like, you can't, it, it wouldn't make sense. Like, you, there's only so much you can do to make it entertaining. Well, you'd have to be Robin Williams. <laughs> I mean, Robin Williams could do that. I mean, he could come on stage just full of energy and just, you know, make it yeah. fly, you know, as if he, there were multiple yeah. people on stage. But there are not many Robin Williams in the world. In fact, I know of one. No. Well, and actually, he's passed on. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, the closest one to him was his best friend, Billy Crystal. And Billy is really good. Yeah. But even Billy yeah. can't do it the way Robin did. Robin was just absolutely <laughs> astonishing. Yeah, but by the way, I had a very, a very good wind today. Oh, really? I to share. What yeah, I was driving, and um, I live in a very kind of wooded area, and there's mm -hmm. lots of deer and this and that. And I was driving home from the market, and in full, uh, full running was a deer that popped out of the bushes and ran across the street, like wow. full speed. Like, because usually when you see deer, I don't know about if you, I don't know if you have deer in your area. Oh, lots of them, yeah. Like they're just kind of on the side, you know. They they're kind of there if they're and they're kind of watching the cars go by or whatever. And if if one was going to cross suddenly, you could see it. But this today, I was driving and a deer out of nowhere ran across the road. And thank God, um, I was able to slow the car down just enough where he just kind of uh, scraped the front of my car, mm. but very lightly. But very lightly, and what? I could see by the way he was running, he was okay because I didn't, I didn't want to hurt him. And Chris probably didn't feel all that good out. to him, but still, yeah, the main thing he's he survived yeah. it. And there was no one behind me. Like it, it was all set up 
so that we'd all be okay kind of thing, you know? Which there is better than having venison for dinner, I have to admit. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I would have, not only would I have felt bad that, you know, I hurt a deer, even though I, it wasn't in my control, you know, the, the car could have been damaged, or, you know what I'm saying? Oh, all like, kinds so, of, yeah, all kinds of things can happen. Yeah. I had one one incident a number of years ago while we were still living in Virginia where what looked like a dog, but I think it was actually a fox because it was in the middle of the night. We had, we had right. been driving and driving and driving, and we were arriving home very, very late, like, you know, 2 in the morning or something like that. And we're out in the middle of nowhere, farmland, you know, just completely rural area. And this this animal ran out in front of my wheels with, like, five feet to spare. There wasn't a, a chance oh of me even God. reacting. You know, so it killed him instantly. And that, that was just so heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, I, I, was, I, was a, I was a wreck going home. I was just so upset. But uh, yeah, you, it's you, hard. But like, but that's one of those situations about that. you 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 cannot do anything no. about it. That's no, there was that was that was him or her. That was that was yeah. that was that animal. It was a yeah. I mean, we, they we, ran across at that moment. The yeah. squirrels we call them kamikaze squirrels. That's what Louise and I call them. <laughs> yeah, squirrels also dart across. Oh yeah, yeah, they're good at it. Uh, but I know. So. I I know what you mean about uh, deer. We actually have lots of deer. We have lots of wildlife around here. In general, mm-hmm. we have deer, we have foxes, we have bobcats, yep. bears. Um, bobcats. Bobcats, wow. yeah. We have bobcats. We have bears. Um, we have, I've seen, I'm not sure if it was a coyote or a wolf. I think it may have been a gray wolf, but they're so similar, it's hard uh, to tell which one it was. Mm-hmm. I actually ran in front of my car, passed a guy who was working in his lawn, sitting on the, on the lawn, he ran oh past the God. guy. And, and wow. he ran across the road, and I, I slowed to a stop, and I turned to the guy and said, was that a wolf or a coyote? And he just kind of shrugged at me with like his deer in the headlights look because this, this animal had been within <laughs> feet of him. <laughs> and then he ran into the house and locked his door. <laughs> no, no, he just kept doing what he was doing. I think it was actually a, a tradesman rather than somebody who was a homeowner. I think it was like a, I don't know, a plumber or electrician or something like that. But uh, yeah, lots of wildlife. In fact, there is, we have um, one of those rails to trail systems running uh, through our town, very close to where we live actually. And I often walk the trail there. On one particular part of the trail, um, well, a number of places I've actually crossed paths with bears crossing the trail, which is a little unnerving. Uh, <clears throat> That's quite I'm unnerving. Sure. But, no, I mean, like generally, brown, if you leave them alone, bear, they leave you alone. Black bear, <clears throat> yeah. Well, there's actually, it, yeah, there, there's only one uh, variety. Some of them are brown and some of them are black, but they're all known as black bear. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So you, don't have, you, don't have, you don't have grizzly bear. But no grizzlies, no. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, they're a little bit more um, vicious. <laughs> but uh, what, do no. they, what do they tell you? To, do they tell you to like, make a lot of noise or something? If that happens, or? generally you just leave them alone because they don't want to come anywhere near you most of the time anyway. If they come right. near you, then yeah, making a lot of noise will, will scare them off. Um, my wife gives out uh, whistles to her crew so that if a bear comes after them, they can whistle and scare the bear off. But uh, oh, most of the time, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time there was an actual incident with a bear. So, you know, it's usually pretty yeah. good. But anyway, also yeah. regarding deer, I was talking about that path. There was one time on the path where I'm walking along and there's a deer standing right on the path. Wow. And so I just kept walking toward him, toward him, toward him. And he just kind of looked right. at me and he's grazing on the side of the path. And I'm walking up, you know, very, not not slowly. I, I didn't want to make it look like I was, you know, stalking him or something like that. But I'm walking up yeah, carefully, yeah. and he just doesn't move. And then I walk up behind his rump because his 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 um, mouth is 
you know, pointing away from me off the path. And he just turns around, he looks at me. And I just keep walking. He turns his neck the other way, looks at me going that way. I mean, oh, I was, wow. I could have so, reached out and touched him. That's how close he was. Wow. So he either was used to people or yeah. he just didn't, he could tell you had no interest in hurting him or whatever. Well, I, I think the first one is it. The, the animals around here are used to people. They, I mean, it's very clear that they are. And you, you see it a lot. You, you see lots of different kinds of animals interacting. Um, I, I don't know how, how else to describe it. I can't say I've ever lived in an area where there's a, this much wildlife that yeah. feels yeah. semi-tame, not tame, but, you know, semi-tamed <laughs> in a sense to, to human presence because, you know, they're living mm -hmm. in, in human communities. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but any, any other wins that you had this past week? Oh, probably. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I talked during the podcast uh, this past week about an, an incident that had been going, not an incident, a series of incidents, sort of an ongoing thing that had been going on. And uh, that largely got resolved on Friday. But I, don't, I didn't want to get into the details, and I still don't want to. Okay. The, bottom, the bottom line there, though, is that things improved. And Good. Good. That, that's the thing. It isn't, I mean, winds are great because that's how we get ourselves into alignment, right? Uh, winds and, and, you know, counting our, counting our blessings, so to speak, or you know, what are the three good things that happened today, or, you know, mirror exercises, any of the things, meditations, any of the things you can do to get yourself into alignment, that's what their purpose is, to get into alignment. But what I've been realizing this week, and I think I've kind of realized it for quite some time, is that the real challenge is what happens when things are going bad. Because when things are going bad, mm -hmm. you're not just out of alignment. You're way out of alignment. And when you're but that far out... when things are going bad, you're still having wins, even though you're not thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that does happen. But, of course, you're focused on the really big stuff, right? <laughs> that can happen for sure. Yeah. So then that's what was happening this week. And, and so it was a real challenge. I mean, I did mm -hmm. use it kind of as an opportunity to practice. And I was at times... I wasn't always successful. But at times, I was pushing myself to get into alignment just to improve the situation, just so that yeah. I could, you know, attract a better vibration, a better emotional state to myself, so that I could get better results out of it. And I, I have to say, I can't point to an exact thread. I can't point to an exact series of cause and effect, but I do believe it helped. I believe it definitely mm -hmm. helped a lot. I do know it led to a particularly difficult event difficult personally for me, something I didn't want to do, but I knew I had to do. And when I came to do it, I got myself into that really good place. I was, I used segment intending to the max for it, got That's myself into the best good. place I could get into and dealt with it as well as anyone could possibly have deal with, dealt with it. I would say the, mm -hmm. the way I dealt with it mm -hmm. was you, you couldn't deal with it any better. And while the result, the, the overall result was the improvement that we were looking for. The right. near term, the immediate result was some resistance, but it wasn't for me. And so I'm proud to say that despite the fact that I had this really tough thing going on, I managed for the most part at the, the crux of it, you know, at the climax, so to speak, to keep myself right. as aligned as I could have, as, a, as aligned as I knew how to do at that moment in time. Not perfect. It wasn't perfect Good. alignment, but it was the best I could do. And it worked out fairly well as a result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? That's, uh, that's. Fantastic. I mean, that's that's key to just doing deliberately something to improve how you felt in the moment. Which I guess is probably the most important kind to win, because it's not like I had this really nice thing happened. But 
it was a much better result than it could have been if I had allowed myself mm-hmm. to stay out of alignment. That's really the big win. Mm-hmm. And you felt the difference. Yeah, big way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was not. It, it was night. It was night and day. It was just not really close to what it could have been because it could have been really nasty. It could have been a really uncomfortable situation, but it wasn't. Well, that's great. What about any food? Any food wins? Where you, something was just so amazing. Oh, I knew you were going to wow. ask that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Um, well, we just had uh, some uh, um, baked chicken, which was very tasty. But uh, I, I can't really think of anything in particular. <laughs> well, the corn. Well, this is the time of year for for corn, corn on the cob, right? And the corn's been getting better and better. We're we're um, we're just reaching the point where the corn is starting to reach its sweetest point. It's not quite there yet. And I, I don't know if you're a corn eater, but um, you know, this is the time of year we have corn on the cob fairly regularly and each time we get it as we're moving toward mid-august it gets a little bit better a little bit better a little bit better and that's what's happening it's really is good it jersey jersey corn that you get oh no this is local this is all local corn grown at the local farm rosedale farm not that that's there's anything wrong with jersey corn. don't don't get me wrong jersey corn i'm sure is fine it's just <laughs> this is no, jersey corn. corn is known is known for just being like really sweet and delicious yeah, well, Connecticut oh. corn does too. I mean, when when we get into the peak part of the season, it's almost you, you don't need to put anything on it. When when you get to like the second week of of August, you you just eat it the way it is. It's like the people out in uh, the Midwest. Now they'll tell you they have the best corn in the country, and I can't say I dispute them. Their corn is delicious, uh, but but it's like the old. Uh, story about how to really eat corn on the cob when you're in Iowa or, or Indiana or something like that, Wisconsin. And that is you go out in the middle, you go out into the middle of the cornfield, you clear a little space, you build a fire, put a pot on top of it, put water inside, boil the water, and then grab the stalk of the nearest corn and dip it into the water until it's done, pull it out and eat it right there on the stalk. That's the best way you can have wow. corn. <laughs> Now, the part that they always leave out is, what do you do about husking the corn? But we'll, we'll assume that you husk the corn at some point. Uh, I think so. I would think so. Otherwise, it'd be a little bit crunchy. So do you grill yours or barbecue it, or what do you do? No, we just boil it. We just boil it. That's, that's the way oh. I've always had it. Yeah, all my life. Boil and butter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love the butter on it. And only real butter, no margarine. No, thank you. Oh, no, margarine is a no-no. That's nope. for sure. Not interested. Margin, hydrogenated. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's the technical term, of course. <laughs> yes. Well, I had um, some friends of mine took me out for my birthday because they weren't able to come with us last week. Right. Yeah. And we had ordered for dessert the strawberry shortcake, and Ooh. it was so good. It was so. It was. It was a little different. They had like. Um, I can't explain like this dough on the top and the bottom, but it was kind of had a little crunch to it, and inside was like vanilla ice cream. It was just very with the fresh strawberries. Oh, nice. it was so good. Yeah, I thought, wow, this is a definite, <laughs> definite vibration raising dessert. Really <laughs> it got your attention, boy, oh boy. It was really good. Yeah, it was really good. It wasn't because you know normally strawberry shortcake, you know, it's like all cake with just the cake and the layers of whipped cream and strawberries inside. But this had the ice cream with everything else. Oh yeah, yeah. Whoa! <laughs> I've had that kind of thing. It's it is delicious. 
especially if you get the the right kind of biscuit where where it's easy to carve out a hole and put the ice cream in. Yeah, I know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah, you're right. That was it. Kind of like a biscuit, but it yeah. was a big biscuit and it had like a little bit of I don't know, like sugar on top. It was just so good, so <laughs> good. <laughs> but the deer, the deer win is def- was definitely a better win than the strawberry shortcake. Oh, it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, you, you know what? There was one interesting event that happened this week in midweek. My wife had to go Ooh, to what? Rhode Island because, sadly, um, one of her friends from when she was a, a kid in school, her mother, mm-hmm. her friend's mother died, uh, and so she had to go to a funeral. So she was gone. Uh, she left Wednesday afternoon and came back Thursday morning. But that meant that Wednesday night, we, we, it's pretty rare for us to be apart. So Wednesday night, right. she's in right. Rhode Island. I'm in Connecticut. We're apart for the night. And it was the strangest feeling, the strangest thing, because I'm, I, she was even so nice. She even made the dinner for me. All I had to do was pop it in the oven. I mean, how nice is wow, that? Wow, nice. That was nice. so sweet of her. But anyway, I made the dinner. And I'm eating, and of course, the, you know, the cats are there. Well, one of them's outside all the time, but the other, <laughs> but the other one was bugging me all the time. So that part was normal. But right. it, it was it was also a little bit strange that she wasn't there. And when she she called me to you know say goodnight and so forth, I said to her, you know, you know what it feels like. If I, it's felt like this all evening, it feels like you're about to be home. You'll be home any moment now. <laughs> That's the way it felt. Because I mean, that, there are times I'm used to that. You know where. She'll go visit a friend or something like that. She has one friend in particular. They like to do porch sitting together, and uh, oh, yeah. So periodically okay. she'll go visit with a friend and you know chew the fat and all that kind of stuff. And it felt like one of those nights because on a night like that she'll come home, you know, eight, eight thirty, nine, nine thirty, ten, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt it felt very much like that. And, and I told her it feels like you're going to be home at any moment. She just laughed, <laughs> but it was true. It really did feel. Like, it didn't feel like she was going to be away. It felt right. like she was just right. she, she'd be home at any moment. Very strange feeling. Interesting, Interesting. Yeah. 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 But I was really happy when when she got home. I I I, I always get happy about that. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a win so, too. Yeah. So we're in the anybody who is new to listening to us or wants to be reminded, we've been going over the astonishing power of emotions. Let your feelings be your guide. By J- and Esther and Jerry Hicks. Written by Esther and Jerry Hicks, who are doing the teachings of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And we were in the middle of example 16, Part two. which was called, I am getting divorced and feel lost. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly lengthy example that they had, too. I mean, we got, yeah. oh, I don't know, not very far, maybe a couple pages into it, but there's like a six, seven, eight page section here. And they were, yeah. they basically were setting up the last time we were talking. We should probably read a little piece of the end of it just so we can kind of pick up the feel of it. But we were, yeah. they, they were yeah. setting up what it's like to go through something like that. And they were treating it like it was a grieving event. And it is. I mean, it's the, it's the grieving of the end of the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something we all have gone through at one time or another. So it's certainly familiar enough. So who's reading? Are you reading tonight? Well, I can start. So I'm going to start on page 142 where we were. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll just start at the top because you were talking about grieving, so it'll remind people. Okay. So they start by saying, usually grieving people say, well, of course I'm grieving. Look at what has happened to me. And certainly we understand the correlation between your husband's leaving and your grief. But there is something much bigger going on here than your response to his action right now even though he is a significant person in your life. All of your life, and even before your birth, 
you have been in the process of creating a vibrational escrow regarding your significant relationship. And that vibrational creation is detailed, powerful, and real. And so as you focus today on the action of your husband or the lack of this relationship, you are pointed upstream against an extremely powerful downstream current. In other words, your grief is not only about the departure of this one person, but it arises because you are a cross-current of a powerful creation, intention, and vibrational reality. When a current flows this powerfully and you get crossways of it, your negative emotion is very strong. It sure is, yeah. I mean, anybody who's gone wow. through grief, anybody who's gone through a loss, a breakup of any kind, you know how strong it can be if you're heartbroken. Mm. Yeah, so even though it's natural to be in a downstream way when something like this happens, it's causing us to go upstream and you, you have that kind of pull going on. Which basically means that we are reacting in a way that's different from the rest of us, from, from the way our inner being reacts. Yeah. Which is interesting, and, and I'm still getting used to that concept. I, I learned that concept only within the past year from you guys, mm -hmm. from my co-hosts, mm -hmm. and from the books. Mm -hmm. And the idea that our inner being is always looking at us in the most positive way possible. So that when, yeah. we're, when we're not liking something, we're actually disagreeing with our inner being. We're, we're disagreeing with the other part of us. And that's why we feel yeah. so negative. That's why we feel so miserable. Wow. Which is interesting. So it goes on. Yeah, this intense grief you are feeling is not because this person has left you. This pain is an indication that you and your current relation, you and your current thoughts are defying your own powerful relationship, creation. But I think I missed something. I'm going to start again. This intense grief you are feeling is not because this person has left you. This pain is an indication that you and your current thoughts are defying your own very powerful relationship, creation that is alive and well and waiting for you in your vibrational escrow. We want to shout to anyone who is suffering over the loss of a relationship, your relationship, the one you really want, the one that you have been creating and adding to every day of your life, the one that you amended even during the process of the breaking down of this relationship, is still there in your vibrational escrow. But this pain you are feeling now means that in this moment, you are not moving toward it, but away from it. In other words, your pain is not so much about this person leaving your relationship as it is that your attention to his action has you focused in opposition to the dream of a relationship that you have been in the process of creating for a very long time. Yep. Wow. I could, I've never thought about it like that before. Yeah, well, that this also ties into what uh, I mentioned earlier, that when when we're feeling down, when we're feeling bad, it's because we're in disagreement with our own inner being. And in yeah. fact, what they're, what they're saying here is, well, the nature of that disagreement is that right now in your what they call your vibrational escrow, which is kind of like the... The, the place where you store all this energy of, of thoughts and feelings you built up over your lifetime and, and apparently over previous lifetimes too. In this vibrational escrow, you have, um, you, you have this idealized relationship. You have this idealized person. You know, what's, what's the best way that a relationship could be? That's what you got built up there. 
And that's what your inner being is seeing. You just had a breakup, but that's not the, the breakup is not what the inner being sees. What the inner being sees is the idealized relationship. And you feel when you're in the midst of this breakup, you feel the loss of it, like the lack of it. So they're looking at the having of it. You're looking at the lack of it. And that's where the, all the negative angst comes from. Again, not would, the way we think of it. I wonder but, if they would, yeah. And I wonder if they would say, well, if you were in full alignment, then even during this breakup, you would be like in celebration because you know that the better one is right around the corner. Oh, sure. In fact, I think they actually get to that <laughs> later on in this chapter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> wouldn't that be inter interesting if like that did happen and instead of going down the upstream, I'm so upset, oh my God, oh my God version, you could just be like, yes. Now I'm closer to who I really want. <laughs> it, it's not. Be, it it sounds kind of strange. Deal. It does. It is a big deal. It sounds kind of strange. But you know what? We actually have had all, all of us have had those experiences. The people we've had them with are not the people that we were desperately in love with. They're not the ones that we had. You know, the, this really attachment, real strong attachment to somebody else. They're the later attachments. That's where you know somebody that you know that you weren't necessarily really close to is moving away or something like that. And so it's a little sad, but on the other hand, you're happy for them and you wave goodbye. You know, it's not a big deal. And it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't stop being a big deal because you're not deeply in love with them. It stops being a big deal because you're still in alignment. You're not allowing yourself to, to get really, really upset about it. And so you feel okay about it. That would be ideal. Well, that's what happens. That would be ideal. The, the hard yeah. part is remembering that that's the way we feel when we're in the middle of a heartbreaking situation. Because exactly. if we could focus on that, that's the key right there. If we could focus on what it feels like when we're just, you know, parting from somebody who we didn't have that really close relationship to. Not that we should focus on the not having a close relationship to, but rather we, that we focus on how it feels to just part from somebody graciously and positively. If we can remember that and focus on that, then the pain goes away. It's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like with the, with grief uh, due to death. And this is something I just discovered within the last year, maybe two, by accident. I didn't know about it really, and then I started reading stuff in Abraham after the event and found all kinds of you know commentaries to reinforce it. But this is about two years ago. My wife's stepmother whom she had had a rough relationship with earlier on in her life, she now had a really good relationship, and her stepmother died. And she was quite elderly. Mm -hmm. She was in her 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was tough on Louise for a number of reasons, not the least of which she was used to calling her once a week and chatting yeah. with her and so forth. So there was, you know, that, yeah. that was gone. Um, but there was also the relationship that was gone. And, and one particular night, shortly after Ruth's passing, um, Louise was on the couch, and I could just see her emotions were overcoming her, and they weren't positive. So I asked her what was going on. She told me that it was just about Ruth. And I know in the past, I mean, I, I, I have, uh, I, I developed certain skills. I wasn't completely inept. <laughs> I had developed certain skills over time. I knew that, you know, this is something where you, you don't just, you're not trying to talk her out of something or whatever. You just try to be there for her. So that's what I was going to do. And I had this inspiration. She was sitting on our sectional couch. And our sectional couch, she likes to sit like where the, the pieces come together in the corner. So she was sitting right. in the corner with her feet up and so forth. And I just went over where, you know, where the pieces connect and knelt on the floor in front of her. I, I just felt inspired to do that. And I, I knelt in front of her. She was like looking at me like, you don't ever do this. What is this all about? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, you know, 
I've never asked you this before, and, and I literally had not thought this out. This was just coming out of my mind and out of my mouth. There, I, there was no prior thought process. I, it was just spilling out as, you know, as fast as I could think it, I was saying it. And I said, you know, I've never asked you this before, but what was it that you loved the most about Ruth, your stepmother? And the look on Louise's face changed from heavy grief tears to surprise, because she hadn't thought of that, to shock, to a smile. And then she started telling me all the things that she loved about Ruth. Right. Now, there were still tears, right. but she kept telling this, you know, things that she hadn't even told me about before. And after about five minutes, she said to me, now, bear in mind, my wife is a former psychotherapist, right? She was a psychotherapist for 10 years. So she has a little experience with this stuff. At one point, my wife turns to me and she says, you're brilliant. And I said, why? She says, because you just figured out a way to skip all five grieving steps. (laughs) 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 And I didn't realize that. I, I mean, I had no prior plan here at all. It was just... That, this is what came to me, so I did it. But in yeah, the process of doing yeah. that, what I realized that I had discovered by accident was that if you're in grief and your grief is really painful, the solution is to start focusing on what it is you love about the person who died. Yeah. Because when you focus yeah. on the love, you can't simultaneously focus on the pain. Mm-hmm. Now, I never thought that out before. I never realized that. But literally, because of, of who we are as human beings, we can't focus on two at the same time. We can multitask. We can you know, switch our attention back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But we can't simultaneously focus on grief and love at the same time. And I got her to focus on love, and she did. And Louise is really good at this kind of thing. She focused on love, and she really focused on it, and the pain of the grief went away. Wow. So I've Very used good. it a lot since then. I've used it many times since then. If I've run into somebody who's grieving about, you know, some important lost loved one, I, immediately the first words out of my mouth are, "What was he loved most about that person?" And I always well, see. I know, now I know who to call. <laughs> just use that. It, it's the, it's not me. It's yeah. the question. The question is all yeah. about redirecting the attention away from the loss and the pain mm-hmm. toward the love. Because mm-hmm. if you focus yeah. on the loss, you're gonna you're gonna hurt. That just plain hurts. But if you focus on the yeah. love, you're focusing on something entirely different. So anyone can use Very that. Good. You don't. You, you don't have. I mean, I give you full permission. You can use it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to call you. you. Can you can coach me through it? <laughs> <laughs> it's easy, David. It's not difficult. It's very simple. What do you love most about him? That's it. End of discussion. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me continue here. Okay. I get through. Uh, so then it continues on. When you come into full conscious awareness of how all things are created and you understand your vibrational escrow and your emotional guidance system, which indicates the direction of your current thought, you will never again be held hostage by the behavior of any other. When someone walks out the door, understand that it is just a person walking out the door. It is not the end of your dream the end of your creation, or the end of your life. It is just another experience giving you even more clarity about what you want and what you don't want. It is another opportunity for you to create an even more pleasing vibrational escrow. And by the way, I mean, this this is great if we could remember that. Well, this is an example of when somebody's walking out, not dying. This is just somebody who's walking out. But the emotions are very similar. 
Because when yeah. the relationship ends, you're, if you're heartbroken and, and you're really miserable because that relationship is over now, once again, you're focusing on the pain. Once again, mm -hmm. you're focusing on the loss. The same yeah. approach works as the one that works with somebody who's lost a loved one who died. The same approach mm -hmm. works. You think about what it is that you love about the person that you separated from, which seems crazy. It seems on the surface crazy to do. I mean, this person just walked out of your life. You're not supposed to keep thinking about them. Ah, but there's a method to the madness here. The method to the madness is you're not focusing on why they left. If you do that, you're just going to make yourself miserable. You don't do that. You don't focus on what went wrong. You don't focus on the fights. You don't focus on any of that. In fact, you deliberately push yourself not to focus on those and instead focus on what you loved about them. What was good about them? What was enduring about them? What, what, was, what was loving about them? What was wonderful about them? And then, and th this is what I do with, with somebody who you know, is still alive, somebody who hasn't died. Then you take it one step further. And that is, once you have thought about that for a while, thought about the parts that you loved about that person and just focused on that for a number of minutes at a time until you're feeling better, mm -hmm. then you finish it off by wishing them nothing but good. Not easy to do, especially if you've had a lot of pain, especially if there was a lot of fighting and so forth. But yeah, that's why you, you yeah. do that part last. You do that part last. But up until then, you just focus on what was good about them, and you don't allow any of the other stuff in. The moment you feel that that you know th that there's any chance you're going to start focusing on oh the fight and there was the, the the attorneys and all that stuff, you know the moment you focus on that, you're dead. You can't go there. So you have yeah. to keep yourself. Just solely focused on what's good about that person, about what's loving about that person. And if you can't do that, then you yeah. don't. Then you take your mind off of them entirely and go focus on something else good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you really, but you really can't good. apply the same technique. It's the same technique as when you lose somebody to death. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to continue with often as we explain? Sure. Yeah, often as we explain how you create your own reality, and that you can be, do, or have anything that you desire. A person standing in your position then asks, so, will my husband come back to me since he's the one I really want? And a lot of people do ask that. Yes. Now, of course, it is possible that as you come back into alignment with your vibrational escrow picture of the life you want to live, this man and this relationship could be the path of least resistance to get you what you want. It, they say it often happens that way. I would say it's not so often. <laughs> but it can happen that way. It can, yeah. However, we would like you to realize that as significant as this man feels to you and to your happiness at this time, really, this specific person is not relevant. Wow. Not relevant? What are you talking about? Right. Yeah, yeah. She says, I was in love with this man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Abraham says, the only thing that is relevant is that you come into vibrational alignment with your own vibrational escrow. And when you do... The universe must deliver to you the perfect match. In other words, the relationship between you and your inner you is the one you must work on. And when that one is in alignment, all others will fall into alignment as well. Now, easier said than done. That's yeah, not easy to do. Yeah. But it also happens yeah. to be true. It really is true. When you get in alignment with your inner being, with your true self, with the rest of you, or whatever you call you know, the other side, the source energy, God, I don't care what you call it, whatever label you give it. Yeah. When you get yeah. in alignment there, everything starts working out the way you want it to in, in terms of final result. Not necessarily where that particular mate is concerned who you just broke up with or who you just divorced. 
Not necessarily with that one. In fact, you're probably better off not holding on to that person. <laughs> and I don't say that to be mean-spirited. I mean yeah. that, well, I mean, you tell me. Do you find that it's better for them to let go of that person and, and let the universe deliver something better? Or or do you think it's fine well, for them to hold tell, on? What I tell my clients, whether it's about a breakup or, you know, sometimes um, somebody is with someone or knows someone and they're not in a relationship yet, but they're pretty sure they're the one and they, they want to attract, you know, they want to use the law of attraction to attract that specific person. Then I say, well, they could be the one that comes through, but there could be someone even better just around the corner that you don't know about yet. So either way, you're going to put yourself in a winning situation. And actually, you know what the one time is where you don't put yourself in a winning situation is where you insist that it has to be that particular person, no matter what, no matter how you feel. Yeah, there's definitely too much resistance there, that's yeah. for sure. There's a ton that would of resistance. not be a good idea. <laughs> so even if that, that person comes back idea. under those circumstances, you've got so much resistance going on, it's not going to work anyway. Totally. Totally. Yep. But, yeah. Your mate's departure has caused you to focus upstream, but you are strong enough to take those thoughts as they occur one at a time and let them turn downstream. You are strong enough. Even under these intense circumstances, you can do it. And as you do, you will feel so much better. And whatever you want will then become your physical reality. The predominant thing that goes wrong in the majority of failed relationships is that one or the other or both is holding the other one responsible for his or her happiness. Boy, is that the yes. truth. Yes. Most people say to their partners some version of the following. I want to be happy. When you do such and such, I feel happy. And so I'm counting on you to always do what makes me feel happy. Yeah, there are a lot of people who live like that. Warning, warning. Yes. <laughs> warning, danger, Will Robinson. Danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> when yes. you believe that your happiness is dependent on what someone else does, you are setting yourself up for much pain because no other can even come close to offering enough behavior to keep you in alignment. Why is it we never think about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, People true. who are looking for somebody else to make them happy never think about the fact that no amount of positive behavior from that person can make them get into alignment. That's right. No, or to put it in more, in more human terms, no amount of, of the other person trying to make you happy can keep you happy. Right, and it's also, or even situational. I know, like, there's some people that they're constantly, like, moving around because, oh, well, if I live in this place, then I'll be happy. No. Oh, if I move <laughs> there, then I'll be happy. No. Because it's, it doesn't matter where there is. It's all coming from within yourself. Mm. That's, so what, where, that's, the, that's the place that you have to be to make yourself happy, not if you keep moving around. So it's a similar but slightly different case for somebody who's, who's constantly exactly. moving, changing locations in order to, to find happiness. What do you tell them? <laughs> it, you can move a hundred times. It's always going to be within you. you know, there's, that, there's that expression, you take yourself wherever you, you go. You take yourself, yeah. So if you're out of alignment, in Nebraska or Chicago, you're out of alignment. <laughs> it's moving, true. Moving to Florida won't put you back in alignment. It's all, it's all within. This is true. Or as I say here, no one else can even begin to understand the vibrational escrow that you have amassed. You are literally asking the impossible when you count on the behavior of another to keep you happy. And that is yeah. true. The lack of freedom that your partner feels, if he believes that your happiness is dependent upon him, is suffocating. And boy, is that true. 
So much so that, like the majority of people, he leaves the relationship simply in the quest for more breathing space and freedom. But feel the downstream ease you, you would feel if someone were to say to you, I love being with you, and right now I feel wonderful being at your side. And by the way, I take full responsibility for the way I feel at all times. I have the power to direct my thoughts, no matter what, in ways to keep me in alignment with who I really am and feeling good. So you are free to live your life in whatever way appeals to you, and I'll be fine. I love being with you, living with you, and loving with you, but my happiness is my responsibility. And I can tell you, that David... Is, and that will now become the new wedding vows. The new everyone. wedding vows, that's right. <laughs> and, I, and I will tell you from my own experience, and I'm sure you, you know from your own experience, that's exactly how my relationship is with Louise. Louise and I are mm -hmm. totally on board with that. Neither one of us ever takes responsibility for how the other person feels. Now, let me point out, that doesn't mean that we are indifferent when the other person right. feels down. Right. But even or then... That, or what, that you don't want to... Or that you don't want to do something that you know will make her happy, you still can, but it's oh, not sure. a responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah of yeah. course I do. But yeah. I'm not, we both know if I'm helping her, I'm not responsible for making her happy. And if she's helping me, she's not responsible for making me happy. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. this afternoon, I've been kind of down because of what had happened in the last couple of days. I mentioned that earlier. And yeah. I was having, a little, I was struggling a little bit today. And I'd mentioned that to Louise. Well, we had a few things we had to do first, and then we went out to do some shopping, and then we went out to just get out, you know, take advantage of the, the beautiful weather, and we took a nice drive, and we stopped off at a couple of places, and just relaxing and enjoying being outside. Yeah. And in the process of doing that, she asked me, are you feeling better? Is it helping at all? Or is there anything else I can do to help you feel better? And I assured her, oh, no, this is already working. I, incrementally, I'm getting better and better. And she said, oh, good, good, good. And that was the extent of it. She didn't feel a responsibility to do whatever she could to make me feel happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't her mm -hmm. job. Her job was to yeah. be supportive, not to do it for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, and if she had tried to do it for me, I would have gotten pissed. <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> vice versa. In fact, we often joke that uh, we, we wonder uh, why it is that we met so late in life because we didn't get married until we were both in our early to mid-40s. And right. we, we asked ourselves, well, why didn't we, we meet earlier? Especially since, and I think I told others, I don't remember if I told you, but here on the podcast, I mentioned that back when I was in my late teens, I used to have a dream about a girl who I didn't know who she was, whose hair color kept changing. <laughs> oh. And I realized okay. after I met Louise and after we'd been married for a couple of years that she had been the girl in the dream and that her hair kept changing what, because over the, years, she, she, over the years she had changed her hair color. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> she started off as a brunette and went to blonde, and then a light blonde, and you know she went through a number of different changes. But the face that I had dreamed about it was hers, and it blew me away when I finally made the connection. But the point is, is. Oh. we had talked about why is it we didn't meet before, and she said, "Well, actually, now that I think about it, if if we had met, say five or ten years before, you would not have stayed." I said, "Why?" She says, "Because I was so codependent at the time. You would right. not have wanted right. to have been around me." And you know what? She's yeah. right. And I, and I know I had yeah, my, the, I had my own issues, too. the perfect too. time. Oh, yeah. the perfect time. We did. Yeah. Now, it took a while for us to get to the place where we could be like that because we didn't know about alignment. We didn't know right. about the law of attraction. But we finally got there, and poof, there they were. <laughs> <laughs> perfect person showed up. That's right. That's, that's what I mean. You met at the perfect time. We did. Yes. 
So we got about 10 minutes left or so, 12 minutes left, 13 minutes. We better kind of motor along here if, if we want to get through this, uh, this chapter. Sure. So go for it. Okay. Freedom it says, seeking. so our freedom-seeking, joy-seeking partner would thrive inside a relationship like that. Absolutely true. For that kind of understanding provides the basis for an eternal relationship of joy. And it's true. Our joy has gotten us through some rough times, but we've, our relationship's mm-hmm. been really tight because we don't try to assume responsibility for each other's happiness. When two people understand that they can live and love and expand unendingly together, there is never a reason to leave and go someplace else. Also true. Because the freedom mm-hmm. that most are so desperate for is fully present right where they are. When yeah. you come, yes, when you come into alignment with, with who you really are and with the relationship that you have recreated, which is your inner being, which your inner being is calling you toward, it is possible that this man or woman will flow easily back into your experience. But that really is, and we know you do not want to hear this right now, that really is irrelevant. When you get into alignment and begin to flow consistently downstream, it is now possible for the relationship of your dreams to come true. You will know it when you see it, and it will not matter what specific faces behind it, for everything about it will be a perfect match to what you have spent your lifetime identifying that you want. Every so-called failed relationship you have experienced has helped your vibrational escrow to evolve. It is ready for you. The question is only, are you ready for it? And mm-hmm. that's really the last, that key, that's the key question right there. Are you ready for it? Because yeah. it isn't just enough to say, yeah, I'm ready for it. You got to be in alignment, right, bud? I mean, you got to be in that good feeling place. Otherwise, when that person shows up, you won't even notice her or him. That's right. That's right. That's true. So they say, so start where you are, since you have no other choice anyway, true, and try to find increasingly better feeling thoughts, such as, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't, yeah, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to see my family or friends. I just want to be left alone. Well, those statements of powerlessness and abandonment are clearly upstream statements. But that is perfectly normal as you begin the process. It has been helpful for you to make such statements because doing so has amplified within you the vibration of where you are. And the most helpful thing about knowing where you are is that you will be able to feel the improvement in your vibration as soon as you make an effort to find better feeling thoughts, such as, I've given a big part of my life to this relationship. I thought that we made a lifetime commitment to each other. I always keep my promises. I would never do what he did. I don't deserve this. Well, they, those still aren't really high-flying thoughts, but they're a little less, a little less negative. Th- these statements are a slight improvement. But while they are still laced with your feeling of powerlessness, you are feeling slightly better as you gather your resources to fight back, in a sense. And it is important to note that anything downstream is better than a feeling of powerlessness. That is true. Others watching you move from a feeling of powerlessness to rage may very well caution you about your anger, but they cannot gauge the improvement in your vibrational alignment. From their perspective, since they do not feel the powerlessness that you are feeling, rage may very well be an upstream thought, but this is your stream, not theirs, and only you really know which thoughts give you relief and which thoughts do not. It's possible that you may spend a few days or even weeks in your rage, revenge mode, But that is not necessary because when you realize that you do have a choice right now as to the way you feel, there is no reason to remain in the uncomfortable place, by comparison, of rage and revenge. Now, a note worth considering. From your place of powerlessness, 
the emotion of rage or revenge was more comfortable or downstream. But from a place of frustration, the emotion of rage, of rage would be less comfortable or upstream. It's your work to continue to reach for thoughts and feelings of greater relief and comfort. And so replacing your feelings of powerlessness with powerlessness with feelings of anger may very well be the next logical step in your downstream motion. Mm-hmm. So let's see if we can do it here. It says, I don't deserve this. I deserve a partner who wants to be with me. I have no intention of clinging to someone who would rather be someplace else. That's a big change for somebody who's codependent. My life doesn't depend on this person who can keep his commitments. Life is too short to waste it with someone like that. So getting a little bit of it out. And those are more downstream, aren't they? They are, yeah. yeah. Thousands of books have been written regarding interpersonal relationships as scholars and counselors attempt to point out the appropriateness of various attitudes or behaviors. But what the majority of them miss altogether is an understanding that there is not only one right attitude or opinion regarding any subject, for two extremely important reasons. There is not only one right attitude or opinion regarding any subject for two extremely important reasons. Okay. First one, you do not have access to every thought from which you are standing right now. Well, that's true. Second, the appropriateness of the thought is only relevant to where you stand right now. That seems kind of obvious. Why is this so important? Because they describe these as two extremely important reasons. Well, let's see. It says, in other words, no one else knows which thoughts are right for you, but you know, your emotional guidance system is telling you. So now that you've discovered the important feeling of anger, let us continue to reach for... I'm sorry, the improved, the improved feeling. Well, it it was important too, but it was also... (laughs) More importantly, it was an improved feeling of anger. So let us continue to reach for further improvement in the way you feel. In other words, you've already climbed up to anger. You kind of sat there for a while. Now it's ready to move up. In some ways... I'm glad it's done. At least we're not screaming at each other now. Now that it's all out in the open, well, I feel an odd sense of relief, really. I don't have to figure it all out right now. I'm feeling exhausted. Now notice the relief you are feeling. You have come to a sort of resignation about what has happened and an acceptance of what is. But the important thing to notice here is the lessening of pushing against. In this lessening of resistance, you are allowing your stream to carry you without a struggle downstream more examples things that have a way of working themselves out i've always been a survivor i'll eventually find my balance getting getting more and more positive a feeling of hopefulness is beginning to rise within you and from here it is really smooth floating once you manage to deliberately bring yourself into a feeling of hope the power of your dream and of who you really are will call you forward you have accomplished a great deal here merely by asking, by, merely by making an effort to feel better. Often with big situations such as this, which affect your life in many ways, you may find yourself reverting back into s- some of the upstream thoughts that, for now, you have left behind. You may feel compelled to relate your experience to a friend or a family member, and in doing so, you may very well reactivate your feelings of anger or even depression. However, having consciously focused yourself into a much-improved emotion regarding this subject... Once, you now possess the knowledge that you can do it again. And as you make your way along, you feel more important to yourself. Boy, is that important. Without needing to defensively recount the details of your personal saga, and so your downstream motion toward everything that you desire, which your life has helped you to define, will continue. I want to read that last, the first part of that last sentence. 
as you make your way along, you feel more important to yourself. If they're talking about self-esteem there. And that's the interesting, yeah. that's probably the most interesting point of all. I mean, they're talking about, they're, they're explaining how to climb out of grief, how to climb out of the rage and anger associated with, with a divorce separation. But what ultimately it comes down to is learning to feel good about yourself. Not what we normally associate with it, right? I mean, it's not like we normally think that, well, if I only feel better about, my, about myself, all of a sudden the rage and the anger will go away. And yet that's right. what it adds up to. Right, and I like how they're saying you may even go back to feeling angry or upset again, sure. but because because you know that you you got yourself feeling better before, then you know you can do something to get yourself out of it again. Absolutely, yeah. You already know you've that, done it. That's, that's what's important is, is always striving to get yourself back in alignment. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So the next time that uh, you're in a divorce situation, you know what to do. Hopefully you won't have that anytime. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully never yeah. you never have to go through that. Uh, one thing yeah. that I, they didn't do, and I'm kind of surprised considering how long this chapter is, they didn't actually address situations where people repeat the same behavior, where they have the same kinds of relationships over and over again. Well, that's a different that's a different thing. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. it's not all that different. I don't think. And the reason I don't think it's all well, that the, different. The, is, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, the the end result is the same. But yeah. Well, more than that. It's all about the self-esteem. That, that's why I found that last paragraph so poignant. Because if your self-esteem is really good, if you feel good in yourself, then you're much less likely to repeat, repeat bad relationships. The only time that we, we repeat bad relationships with more bad relationships is because we go into the next relationship not feeling really good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're not in alignment. We're not yep. in that good feeling place. And you can't attract who you want if you're not in alignment. So we end up settling. Well, this is what I'm always that's used right. to. I, I've always had this kind of person. That, that's what's going on in the back of our minds, right? I've always known this kind of person. I'm familiar with them. I'm attracted to this kind of person. I want to go have sex with this person, <laughs> right? Imagine how much different that whole thing would be if, if you start with making yourself appreciate and, and, and increase your own self-esteem, how you feel about yourself, loving yourself more. That's right. Yes. The whole situation yes. changes when you do that. Yes. And we're um, we're at time, so I just want if anyone's interested in some wonderful law of attraction life coaching, you can go to lifecoachdavid.com and you can reach me through there. Absolutely, and we also want to encourage our listeners who are new listeners who are not yet subscribed to the podcast to become subscribers. It's easy to do. You just go to the homepage at LOAToday.net. All the instructions are right there. It literally takes about a minute. It does not take long at all. It's very quick. The, probably the most time-consuming thing is if you're on an Android phone and you don't have any podcast software built in and you just find one through the Google Play Store and boom, you got yourself podcast software. And then you just do the instructions that are on the homepage there at LOAToday.net and all of a sudden, boom, you're a subscriber and you join the ranks of those who get 45 shows a month, one-hour shows. So you can do your binge listening. So please do take a moment and subscribe. You will you will find it to be well worth it. All of our current subscribers love it. We know it because they keep coming back and listening. We see it in the numbers. Yeah. So that's about it. David, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to talking with you about this book a little bit next week. Yes, have a wonderful week and enjoy. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we also hope that you'll come back and join us next time as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.